You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. This is Rachel. Thanks for joining us today. On today's episode, Patrick Johnson, the founder of Generous Church, and Mark Carden, our executive pastor here at Clear Creek, talk with me about practical ways we can become generous in our own hearts, families, and our church. Let's listen. Well, Patrick, welcome back to the Clear Creek Podcast. Great to be back. Yes. And Mark, welcome for the first time. Thank you. I can't believe it. Yep. You've never been on our podcast. Yeah, yes, I haven't. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really glad. You're not glad to be here, but I'm really glad you're here. My question is, can this podcast handle his genius? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm definitely the dumbest one at this table. <laughs> that is definitely <laughs> not, not even true. close, yeah. despite the fact that you went to Texas a and uh, hey, hold on, let's hey. stop, let's stop. <laughs> hey, I appreciate that. This is going to be a good podcast. <laughs> so we talked to Patrick last week um, about uh, just generosity, why it's important how that's who God is and how that affects everything about who we are and what we do. And it was a really good conversation. So Mm. I want to encourage people who haven't listened to listen because it's really helpful. Um, I just appreciate that it's this really um, gospel-centered, God-focused way to think about it. Yes. And still not like like beating people down, though. Like, oh, God is, so you have to be, it's, hey, you created to. Yes. And so this affects everything, and it's going to be... A good thing in your life. Amen. Absolutely. And for the church. So thank you for doing that. Um, but today we wanted to talk a little bit more about just the practicalities of what that looks like. And so both of you guys have stories um, about how generosity became so important to you. So, Mark, I'll start with you. Um, I know, like, so every year we talk about what our sermon series are going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's a joke because <laughs> every year, you know, I will like send like, way too many ideas, uh, half of which are bad. And Mark, every year is like, generosity, <laughs> generosity, <laughs> generosity. Like that is what we should be talking about. Yep. So you are known to value this and to not just value it, but you um, fully embrace it in all of your life. So tell us a little bit about how you got there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably a lifelong journey, really. Um, I'd say, Rachel, my, my mother... One of the greatest, I tell people when I tell my story, one of the greatest blessings in my life is my mother taught me about what God said about giving when I was probably, probably the first time I remember, I was about five. Mm. My grandmother would give us, and now I'm old, I'm 63 years old, so it's a long time ago. So she would give us dimes when we, if we, go, when we went on vacation, so if we'd have spending money, and it'd be like 10 dimes, so you'd have a dollar, but she would always put them in a card and with dimes. So when my mom taught me, Mark, here's, mm. here's what the Bible says. So when I got a dime, I would literally take a penny to church and give it. And so, uh, and Lisa's parents um, taught her very similarly. Uh, she grew up in a Christian household and they taught her about what the Bible said about giving. So Lisa and I, we started dating, she was 14, I was 16. And so we've lived all of our life, and we've never lived on more than 90% of our income. Wow. Because that's, that's what we were taught, that's what we believed, and that's what we did. So this whole generosity thing, I think, really started there. Um, then, you know, as Lisa and I uh, were married and 
got our jobs and all that stuff, we we started thinking about you know what do we do here? How do we how do we budget this money and what are we going? How much are we going to give? And so we started you know uh, we had mortgages on houses that we lived in, but other than that, we never really had any significant debt. So we tried to build margin into our life, into our financial world. And the margin then allowed us to be both intentional and spontaneous with giving and being generous. Mm-hmm. So we, we would budget some generosity things. We'd budget to, uh, you know, currently we, we support a child in Honduras to, to go to school that couldn't go to school. Otherwise, we support uh, people doing missionary-type work, um, one at Texas A&M. Go Aggies. There it is again. Uh, so, so we budget those intentionally, but we also, at least not regularly, we will just carry money around. We'll, we'll put money in our wallets so that we can be spontaneous with generosity. And um, that's, that's something we've learned and really cultivated over mm-hmm. many years of trying to figure out how do we do this? How do we live generously? Yeah. I mean, I... I love this because my guess is that is that y'all's stories are similar but different. Like I, I I just appreciate the fact that your story really is about discipline. I mean, your parents just sort of and your grand and your grandmother taught you this from a young age, but that wasn't bad. It turned into a heart that was generous, right? They they taught you how to do it and why, and then eventually you're just a part of who you were. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's really encouraging. You know, as a as a mother of three young kids, that even if they don't get it right now, maybe eventually it'll be a part of really who they are. Yeah. So, and, and let me just say, so I got three adult kids uh, and ten grandkids, and the the three adult kids are all very generous, and we we taught them kind of the same thing we were taught, but God used that to make make all of them very generous. That's the hope. Yeah. What about you, Patrick? What what's your your story? You were also in the financial world too. I mean, you can talk about your childhood. Yeah, well. so I can I sum up my story in one it. sentence. You take Mark's story, you flip it upside down. That was my story. <laughs> That's what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> and I, I, you know, as I listen to that, there's a part of me that's envious. Yeah. Of that, and you know, if people are listening to us right now, and 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 you are investing in your children in that way. Mm-hmm. That is a great thing to do. So I affirm that. Barna did a study that said, you know, the people that were adults that highly valued generosity, the place that they learned it was in their families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's a great story. But a lot of us didn't have that story, right? A lot of us had just the opposite story. So my story was a story of uh, not necessarily growing up in a Christian home, um, not having a lot of money. As a matter of fact, money was always, uh, or it it could be at times a very contentious subject or a subject of fear. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think my growing up, when I think about money and generosity, not growing up in a Christian context, being in that, that context was about fear. It was about control. Um, and so that's what I brought into adulthood. So when I got into adulthood, I thought, well, I just want to make a lot of it. My wife grew up in Jennifer. She, she's awesome. And she grew up in with two, uh, parents who were teachers, and so they had five children, two teachers, never a lot of money. For her, it was always, I'm going to grow up and make enough money where I don't have to depend on anyone. 
And that was sort of my story as well. I think I wanted, mine was not something to depend on anyone, but I thought I needed self-worth through money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Jennifer became a doctor. I became a financial advisor, managing institutional money. We were working to fill the holes mm-hmm. that we had. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us do that, right. especially in our culture. And so when I came to, I think God's always been with me. Like I can go back to when I was on the playground in kindergarten and having thoughts of God. Uh, so I don't, I think he was always with me, but I had a really uh, deep experience in 1991 that really I thought brought me back to a hunger for scripture, a hunger for God. And I was in the money business. I was trying to fill the hole with money. So then I started really wrestling with, okay, this is what God says. This is the way I'm living how do those things reconcile? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I bring those together? And so the commonality is this a journey. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a journey. I'm just approaching the journey from a different context than Mark mm-hmm. does. So that's been our journey. And we still, yeah, it's still, yeah, invest in your kids. Like, if I had to go from that platform to my platform, God's gracious in both. So mm-hmm. I'm not, but boy, to, to save a lot of the trouble that I've been through mm-hmm. by, by investing in kids, that's, that's really attractive to me. Yeah, I appreciate what you said from the very beginning that um, you're a little envious of that. You know, I mean, it's, it's simpler. You're always, you know, if, if, you're, if you're doing what God asks of you, then obviously your, your life is going to be more fruitful and joyful and all those things like you talked about in our last episode. Right. But you also, when you don't know and then you know, it's, it is powerful. So God is so gracious to us whenever he just inserts himself in our lives, and we finally see it too. Well, and I, mean, I think one of the things I've learned is that a lot of my brokenness around this journey has become what I minister out of. Right. Right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, people always say, you're so authentic. You know, you're, you're just authentic. Well, I'm just being who I am. Mm-hmm. And who I am was shaped by that mm-hmm. and shaped by God's grace in my life. So, so it's, we all have different journeys. And, and so, and I'm sure you do the same thing. Like you minister to people out of who you are. I've heard you talk to people before. Yeah, absolutely. But it's a different, it's a different type of ministering. Yeah. And that's so helpful. um, I think, especially for a conversation like this, because I think uh, when you're talking about money, people think about tithing. They think only about 10%. Um, You're talking about generosity. That's sort of the first thing that comes into their mind. But this is a very personal journey for everybody and how you are generous is going to look different for everybody too. So how you learn generosity and then what it looks like in your life, completely different, both really important and God can use all of us. He is going to use all of us. Well, and I would even add another dimension to this is how we're wired. We're naturally wired. When I look at Mark, he's a lot different than I am, right? (laughs) And, and I mean, you know, I don't like budgeting. I don't like numbers. I don't like, you know, that's not my giftedness. That is his giftedness. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, right? Oh, absolutely. But then there's things that I do well that you look at me that you can't do. So it's how we're wired is, is in mm-hmm. this equation as well. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And so you guys have different stories, but you're both very passionate about being generous, and you are generous. So practically, like you're saying, you also have different personalities, and you don't like budgeting. So what does this look like? Practically, how do you instill in your life ways to be generous? Because, you know, like you're talking about, Mark, it's, it's a discipline that then that changes you. Yes. So, you know, you know, Rachel, I think there's obviously a lot of answers to that question. Uh, but let me give you, give you some. Practically, how do, 
how, how would I help someone if they came to me and said, how do I become generous? Hmm. What would I tell them? Mm-hmm. Now, the very first thing I'd tell them is you, you need to grow in your relationship with Christ, that you, you need to be in a growing relationship. And so pray, ask God to help you be a generous person. You know, that's, I think that's where it starts. Um, then I would say commit, you know, commit to be a generous person. Now, that's very hard for me to do by myself. So get, get in a small group or just get your small group that you're in and tell them about this commitment you've made mm. and then say, please hold me accountable. My, my small group on Tuesday. That's hard to do. Yes. My small group on Tuesday talked about, do we have people in our life who will hold us accountable? And um, I, I told them, I want each one of you to hold me accountable. And one of the guys said, well, my dad always taught me, you don't give unsolicited advice. And I said, right now, I'm soliciting your advice. I'm mm-hmm. soliciting your accountability mm-hmm. uh, for me in whatever year of my life. So build, build accountability in your life around the commitments that you make, and in this case, generosity. And then, you know, you got to figure out, how, how do I do this? And for me, it's, it's, I think you should be both intentionally generous, but I think you, you need to also be spontaneously generous. And that one's harder for me because I'm a planner. Mm-hmm. I'm a budgeter, you know, all that stuff. And that's why we carry cash around uh, so that we can be spontaneous in, in the generosity. Um, and there's other times we're spontaneous, but that, that makes it easy. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're at a restaurant and we just see a waitress that's really doing a great job and whatever, we may give her an extra big tip or something like that. But it's also, you know, you got to figure out how to, this isn't just about money. So how, do, how am I generous with every single resource God's entrusted to me? And that, so how am I generous with my time? How am I generous with my influence? How am I generous with my encouragement? How am I, we could make a list of resources that God's entrusted to us, you know, but along this table. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that? And again, we build, we make commitments and we build and create around us people that will hold us accountable to do that. And we, we pray about opportunities to give. And then, you know, like Nike, we just do it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We got to trust God and do what he prompts us to do. Yeah, that's so helpful. So you really are describing a lot of what Patrick talks about in the last podcast. So it begins with his abiding relationship. Mm-hmm. It also requires, uh, you know, it does require discipline and, and obedience, right? Mm-hmm. You're listening to God and you're with God, and then you then you do obey him. Mm-hmm. And you have community. Yes. It's always with community and for community. Yes. So you're really describing so much of what he gave us the principles for last week. Patrick taught me everything I know. <laughs> no, Mark taught me everything I know. <laughs> now, you know I what, taught and, them both everything they know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's, let's call it like yeah. it is, Rachel. Uh, yeah, and what I hear when I hear Mark is lifestyle. Like mm-hmm. it is a way of life mm-hmm. for him. It's not just an act of giving. It's a way of life for he and Lisa. And it's something they cultivated over a long period of time. It's a virtue. I mean, you think about generosity, that is a virtue. It's a fruit of the Spirit, kindness, right? And so how do you cultivate any virtue? You practice it. 
and you practice it, and you get up when you fail, and you keep practicing again. So what I hear in your life is that long obedience in the same direction that Mm -hmm. becomes a virtue. Which is so amazing to talk about because we have a fear of talking about that in the church, I think, sometimes. You know, discipline, virtue, you know, obedience, people get hesitant about it. Um, but again, this is rooted in the gospel. Like you said, if you if you fail at it, you get back up again, and there's no condemnation in that. Right. And we're doing it because of the gospel, because right. of how generous God is and what He's done for us. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the North Star, yeah. right? That's the North Star is the generous God, right? So let me let me take that topic and take it from another uh, vantage point. So we've been high income earners. You know, my wife's a radiologist. I was in the money business. So we have built the big, huge houses. We have driven the nice cars. And, you know, what, I fig- what we figured out was those things don't satisfy. Like it, 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 a lot of us, a lot for me, it was about identity. Mm-hmm. You know, where I lived, what the size of my... And, and you don't really, you would never admit it. <laughs> like you won't come out and say it, but the reality is it's down there. Like mm-hmm. you're filling some kind of hole. So one of the things that we, as we've grown on our journey, is we really put a governor on houses and cars. So I talked about it in my last part. We only drive one car. And I love that. I love the freedom that that provides in a lot of ways. But we've also chosen to really downsize in our house. And and if you cut down just your house and just your car, the margin that you will free up to give, to live, is amazing. It's huge, yeah. It's huge. So, so for me, who is not a budgeter, I'm a big picture guy, but we have a high income. The way we don't get owned by our stuff to the degree that we could is we say we're going to put a governor on our house. We're going to put a governor on my car. My goal, honestly, with our income is to, that both of those things would be less than 10% That's cool. of our overall budget. And Which have, is sort of unbelievable for most people to even consider. Well, we're blessed with a high income, so not everybody can get right. to that. Yeah, that's good. But my point is, whatever those two numbers are, what if you could get those down by 10% mm-hmm. or 15%? And, and here's, the, here's the thing. You'll find freedom in it. Mm-hmm. Like, it is not a... I mean, would you yeah, agree? Absolutely. It's, it's not yeah. a sacrifice. It's a joy. Yep. What other practical things do you have instituted? I've heard you talk about... Um, I can't even remember the phrase now because I'm not the smartest person at this table. But it's it's a it's a set limit on spending. Is that is that right? Yeah. So I struggle with this. I don't know. Have you, you have you, have you do you do this? Well, I've I've set one. Okay. Yeah. So you have a set spending finish line. Yes. Finish line. That's what it was. Yeah. Finish line. So yeah. you have a you have a the way you guys live is that you have a okay. This is our goal to spend this much. And then anything over that that comes in, we can give it away. We can save it if we want to. But you have a set finished spending line. Yes. And that, that all came from that book, uh, God and Money, which you introduced to me. Yeah. The, um, I'd never thought about, you know, I'd heard for a long time the, the savings finish line. Yeah. You know, how much is enough kind of yep. thing. Mm-hmm. But I'd never really thought about a spending finish line. Mm. And that book talks about that. And uh, so we, I don't know probably five or six years ago, talked about what, what is that for us? And it really, you know, again, I'm, I'm old and getting older. And so retirement isn't that far down the road. And so it really helped in thinking about retirement. What, what can we live on? What do we want to live on? What are we capable of living on? All that stuff. So, I mean, my, here's our goal. We try to 
to take our income and live on 50%. And the 50%, the other 50% is for retirement savings and giving. Hmm. And so that's, and right now we're, we're not quite there. We're about 44%. So we're trying to, to keep moving the ball and get to that. Really important for people to hear too. Mark Carden hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hold on. No, a long way from arriving. I got to put that on my Twitter following that has 2 million followers so that the whole world will know that Mark Carden has not arrived yet. Because I think the world lives under the illusion that he's arrived. Absolutely. It's a great illusion. That, yeah. that, that is awesome. And here's what I love. You're specific about it. Like you don't feel awkward talking about the number. That's your number. And I think that's another thing as we talk about these issues. We need to be in communities where we can be specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that makes a difference. Like I'm guaranteed, there's somebody listening to what you just described who is thinking in their head. Yeah, how could I do that? What does that look like for me? For me, yeah. And I think we talked in the last podcast a lot about trusting God with provision and with all of all of what we have. But this is really about trusting in community too. I mean, you you have to find people that you trust with that information and with your heart and that. I mean, it, it's hard for people. Yep. To find that. So do you feel stifled by that decision? Like, does it feel stifling to you? Not, not at all. Um, you know, and God's blessed us over the years, and, but it, no, I don't feel stifled at all. And like you, you've said, uh, giving, giving isn't what God wants from us. You know, Andy Stanley makes, made this probably famous, I don't know, but Giving isn't what God wants from us. It wants it's what God wants for us, and it really does. I mean, you know, there's nothing that's more satisfying, more joyful than giving away money. I, in my my opinion. So yeah, was it ever hard? I mean, you. So your story is different a little bit, but for either one of you, um, I, I I believe you, and like that's something that I want to know. Everyone else does too. But was it ever hard to do to start? Or any moments, or is it always just it's good? Oh no, for yeah, we've definitely had hard times. Now, for us, the the giving back to God, the first part of our income, uh, I can I can honestly say that's never been hard mm-hmm. uh, because it, again, we, we I've been doing that since I was five years old. So it's I, I read a quote one time from J.P. Morgan who said, you know, if I wouldn't have been taught to give at at least a 10% level when I was making $100 a day, there's no way I would do it when I was making $10,000 a day. Mm-hmm. So teach your kids because when, when we're taught at that young age, it just becomes that's who we are. That's a way of life. But the other stuff is hard. And, it's, um, you know, we try to listen to the Holy Spirit prompting us when to give. And people ask Regularly, a regular question is, all right, so we see people on the street corner. Should I give to them? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know the answer to that. I, what, I, what I tell them is, if you feel prompted by the Spirit to give to them, then give to them. If you don't, then don't. That's how I live. I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if 
That's exactly right. The spontaneous parts may be harder. Like as you said, you want a margin harder. for the spontaneous generosity as well. That's harder. Yes. Because that's that abiding relationship. Yep. Yeah. You know, what, let me add one thing to that and then talk about some of our struggles. So I had that same struggle because in Austin, you have a lot of people on the street corner when you pull up. And, mm-hmm. you know, same thing. I always try to listen to God spontaneously. But then what I've started doing is when I feel like God's calling me to give, I roll down my window and I say, what's your name? Hmm. And I look at him in the eye. Mm-hmm. And if I have time, I'll ask him a question. Because I think people are, that nobody knows their name. Nobody knows their story. You know, you can't get it. You're at a stoplight, right? Yeah. I don't get out and sit with them. But I, but I just have noticed finding out their name and looking at them in the eye makes a huge difference. That's really good. So let me tell you another strug- a struggle we've had. This is interesting. Well, it's interesting to me because it's my struggle. Um, I have struggled... We've been living, trying to live generously, not perfectly, but we've been trying to live generously for over 20 years now. And I have struggled when I go into a, like have to give my um, balance sheet or my asset, my net worth, that it's not as high as I think the other person across the table thinks it should be. So if I go in for a bank loan and I fill out a, a balance sheet, I think, man, we could have been a lot wealthier than we are now. Yep. And sometimes I have that little voice in me that says, gosh, you could be 3X, 4X with compounding what you are now. And I, I, I feel a little bit of fear. I feel a little bit of shame because, because we live in a culture that those who are honored are those who have it all together and they grow their net worth and they're independent and they're, they don't depend on anybody. I think for me... It's been dealing with the shame and a little bit of guilt and fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that because I think people um, listen to lots of podcasts, but you know, listen f- to both of you and they think I can never get there because I have all these internal struggles. So to know, and you, you've both said, you know, I mess up, and this is always about grace. But still, to know that it still can be a, can be a struggle, it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's like everything else in your Christian life. But but I think there's a there's something unique about this struggle because of the context we live in. And I mean, we so highly value money and fame and power in our culture that we're always measuring ourselves up. So, so I read a great quote. I posted on I think my LinkedIn page. I basically said uh, we're always looking higher and comparing ourselves to the hundred people above us, but we're never looking at the billion people below us. Mm. That's the truth. So we're ungrateful, Mm -hmm. right? We're always looking at the maybe the 10 people higher than we are and thinking, why aren't we like them? We're not considering the billions of people below us Mm -hmm. that will never have what we have. Mm -hmm. That's that fear. Yeah. Yeah, I think you also talked about how money is a very effective idol on the last podcast. And if that's true, and and it is, then to begin this journey is hard, and to be f- this this long obedience in the same direction is also hard, no. because it's it's not like this struggle goes away. Right. It's still an effective idol that you have to just you know continually die to every day to Jesus. It is, and and yeah, I mean, I, I was just thinking about how it how it it's so. It's so connected to your guilt and your shame and your inferiority 
like a lot of times, I don't know about you and Lisa probably don't struggle. Since we came from the backgrounds we did, like money was shameful. Like we don't like to talk about it because we feel ashamed or we don't like to talk about it because we feel guilty. And we've had to work at really framing it around the gospel that God loves us despite the mistakes. We've had huge, massive debt and God's always taken us out of it by his grace. You know, we've made some very poor spending decisions. God's always walked with us. Um, but, I mean, it's it's not within the last five or six years that Jennifer and I have come to a point where we can sort of talk about it with all the emotional baggage that we bring to it. Yeah. So let me tell a quick, <clears throat> excuse me, let me tell a quick story uh, about the whole debt thing. So I told you what my mom taught me about giving. Mm-hmm. She also taught me about debt, but it was because they, my parents were in it. And she didn't intentionally talk to me about debt or teach me about debt. I observed it. Hmm. So I would watch my mom take a yellow legal pad every month and write down all the bills that she had. She paid the bills. My dad traveled a lot, so she, she was the bill payer. And so one, one day, I was probably about 10, I asked her, what are you doing? And she, she explained to me what she's doing. And she said, so here's the total, but we only have this much. So we got to choose what to pay. And I think I um, subconsciously made a note of that and said, I never want to be in that position. Mm-hmm. And so therefore debt for me is, uh, debt, debt isn't bad. God never uh, commands that we never go into debt. He give, gives us all kind of warnings about it. And so that was for uh, what my mom taught me there was a great warning about debt, even though she wasn't, I don't think, trying to teach me anything in that. Um, so that's, you know, you talk about the shame and the, the stuff. It was, my, my parents had very little money. They, you know, I, I can remember doing, helping my dad do his tax return and the amount of money he made um, was, you know, I look back on that and it was like, gosh, how did they support four kids? Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, that's a... Yeah, I, I think that what we're talking about here really is like this money is wrapped around our the way we were brought up, our trauma, our holes, our identity. That's why it's so. That's the power of money, right there. It's really wrapped. And and so some we get like I don't like debt either. And I can tell you if there's it's such a freedom to be out of debt. Like we're out of debt, but we've been in some massive debt, med school, yeah. everything. And there's a whole story about giving and God providing to get out of debt. So that's another thing. My wife, we were over $100,000 in debt just from med school. Wow. And we had four kids. They were all, my wife's the only doctor who's had two children in res, uh, medical school, two children in residency. Wow. That's a wow. That's a whole book in that. <laughs> yes, in there. there is. Okay. We were $100,000 we $100, in debt. We were young. And we started our giving journey. So we just started giving 10%. Then we said, you know, we're making decent money. She was working part-time at the time. Let's give 15%. Like, let's stretch, okay? We stretched to 15. And all of a sudden, these work opportunities, the extra work opportunities started opening up for Jennifer. And she would make $5,000 on every time she went and did this work opportunity. Wow. It lasted for a year. We paid off the debt. And as soon as we made the last payment, they stopped doing it. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's cool. So isn't that a cool story? It's a really cool story. <laughs> And again, it's really, it's God's faithfulness, His generosity to us is yes. we really can believe in it. We can trust it. But 
we need to be in community where we can remind each other. Oh, yes. yeah. Because it's like a bar of soap. It is so slippery. It is so slippery. I, we were talking, yeah, I was struggling with some fear coming over here. Is God going to provide for us? Like, I'm trying to do what he wants me to do, but I see my own sin. I see my own imperfection, and I'm wondering, like, okay, God. And then I get this huge unexpected gift, and I'm like, it just, it's mind-boggling. Like, yes, he's there. He's there. And he cares. Yeah. And so your story, my story, that's another way to say, okay, look how God cares. Mm-hmm. Now, does it always work out like that? No. Like sometimes there's a lot of suffering behind mm-hmm. it, and we have to go through some suffering. So it's not like we can't paint a rosy picture, and I hope we're not doing that. I hope that we're saying, you know, you had struggles, mm-hmm. I had struggles. I'm sure you don't have struggles, but mm-hmm. we do. And so, you know, um, but, but God is faithful. God is faithful. God's faithful, and, and even, like, this is one of the hardest topics. We don't even want to talk about it. We have shame struggles with it, which is why you guys keep saying you go back to the gospel every time to reorient yourself, even in how you, how you, how you use your money, how you are generous with your money, but even how you think about money and yourself with money. You know, there's a family dynamic, too. I remember driving down the street with my child, Chris. It hurts to say it today. And he said, you know, he was probably 12. And he said, you're so generous with others, but you're not generous with me. Ooh. Oh, that, yeah. that hurts. They just know how to hurt you. That, that <laughs> one was like a knife. And I said, you're just a punk. Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Great fathering. I'm number one. <laughs> yeah, that, that is but, but, also not true. But, but <laughs> sure. that's something my wife has taught me. So I get so enthusiastic that I'm, I'm willing, like to me, giving is so easy now in one sense. Like it's just second nature. Yeah. And so I give it out there, but I'm not good at giving it in, in my family. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it's more of a stewardship issue. Like I'm always looking at, we can't do that because that, we'd be a poor steward. But sometimes God calls us, a lot of times God calls us, to be a blessing to our own family. So it's how do always we, the most difficult. It is. It's hard. And then that's so that's so sad to admit, but it's definitely true. Yep. It's it's hardest to be loving and kind and serving and generous, all all of the virtues like you're talking about with our own family. And I don't want my kids to to resent me. I want to be obedient to what God's calling us to do. And sometimes that's maybe not aligned with what our kids would want us to do. But at the same time, I want them to know. I want them to know my dad was generous to me. Yeah. My dad loved me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that um, that's really helpful for me uh, as a mom because you know I'm thinking through how I really do want to you know have these disciplines in my kids' lives to understand generosity. But even in that process, it has to be centered in the gospel. Yes. It has to be an abiding familial relationship with God. You know, that's, that's the same thing whenever we're talking about it. But most importantly there, too, because you're trying to show them that a faithful, loving father who provides is real. You know, I mean, and that's where they learn, first and foremost, who God is, is through their parents. So that's just a really good reminder to me. I know a friend. We both know him. I won't call him out. Um, but he was a pastor. He's lived a very modest lifestyle. And... and and he doesn't believe in savings. That's the choice that he's made. He thinks when he looks, and they send out missionaries all over the world. So one aspect of this is like, we don't want to send people out to the hardest places to reach in the world and us living 
a, a lifestyle in America that is, you know, that wouldn't, that doesn't look right or doesn't feel right. So he's never believed in savings. So anything he makes, they meet, they live simply, they meet their things, and then they give everything away. Mm. And he has four kids. I think two have gone to Baylor. And, wow. and, and so he, I mean, they've all been college educated without debt. And, and somebody asked him, I was doing a meeting with him one time, and, and it, it's mind-boggling. People were saying, like, you don't believe in savings. So what do, you, what do you do about your kid's education? This was before they went to college, okay? And he said, basically, you know, I don't have an education fund set up for them, but what they do know is that they have a God who's always provided for them. Oh, wow. Wow. And if he wants them to go to college, then he will provide. And he provided for all four. That is amazing. That is really amazing. So think about yeah. the lessons, like what your mother yeah. taught you in discipline uh-huh. and yeah. in giving. They taught the lessons of faith, yeah. right? That God will provide. Now, that was their choice. Not all of us are called to live sure. without savings. But think about what a legacy that is. Yeah. Well, that was that's part of your story. I remember you talk. I whenever I first asked you, I think when I first met you, how did you how did you get here? How did you become a pastor here? Um, I remember you saying that that was one of your fears was yep. making sure you could provide for your kids for for college. Yeah, when I walked away from the accounting firm, the the first thing that came to my mind was, I don't think I'll be able to send my kids to college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you did, and they all all three went to A and M and no debt. Yeah, I, and you know the accountant wanted a spreadsheet to show how that works. I I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I can't put it in Excel and show you how that worked. It just did. Yeah, I mean that was that was the same. It's really it's such a similar story. God asking you to be faithful. Yeah, and you were, and He was faithful because yep. He always is. Yeah, and always. maybe even I mean, so think about this scenario. What if one of them <laughs> didn't go to college? Yeah, he would be faithful in the middle of that. Right. Absolutely. Right. I mean, yeah. there would be some reason. That we you would find out sometime, you would become clear to you. He is faithful, regardless if it works out the way we think we want it to, true, or it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you guys: We're talking about our families and kids, and how we sort of can can create this, cultivate a family that's generous. You know, Christmas is you know almost here, and um, for some people, that's a time of year whenever they're most generous. But for kids, I don't know, maybe your kids are better <laughs> than my kids. It's really, they're making lists. That's right. what's happening. Uh, they start to think about what I'm going to get, what the parties yeah. I'm going to go to. It can be a time that's also defined by selfishness. So what are just some suggestions during this time of the year, particularly? What are ways that we can sort of create generosity in our families or our communities, you know, anywhere? Yeah, one one thing Lisa and I did that I, I really liked, um, and you know, you'd have to ask my kids if it was impactful, but we would we would adopt a family at Christmas. As a family, we would adopt a family. They the family didn't know it mm-hmm. that uh, we were adopting, and we would we'd buy gifts for them, and we'd take them, and it's kind of like the what do you call it, ding dong ditch or whatever. You we would put the gifts on their their doorstep and the kids would and ring the doorbell and run back to the car and we'd we'd take off. Um, so the kids saw that we we were hopefully helping a family and we talked about the family and and you know sometimes they would have the family, sometimes we would, but it would be these these people have gone through a hard time or whatever and we just want to help them. And so we did that for a few years as the kids were probably in about junior high. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I like that. Um, so that's one idea. I, I like that too. We, we've done that as well. And I think there, there's a lot of ways you can, you can donate yes. during Christmas, but the, the places where you can donate and actually have a, you know, connection. a physical connection, like, you know, their story, you give them the presents for kids, maybe, or for, really for all of us, but for my kids, it's been w- way more impactful. Yes. Um, you know, if, if they're helping you and they know why, yep. the why behind it is really helpful. I agree. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> well, not us. We just we just dig into our Christmas presents. <laughs> yeah, right. You're like this is our time. <laughs> Make your list. <laughs> Make a list. We're gonna get it. God now, is providing. We've done the same thing before, and 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 it is, yeah. It's just it's phenomenal. But I I do agree with you. If the relational connection and to do it in an honoring way to those people that you're doing it for. If that's the best, that's the best of all worlds. If you can adopt a family, if you can enter into a relationship with them, if you can do it in a way that's honoring where your kids see mm-hmm. that, it's so great. You know, a simple thing we used to do is like, I would go in the restaurant with my kids, I would get the bill and I would double whatever the bill is. Mm-hmm. And we would go out to the parking lot and we would stand in the parking lot and watch the waiter Ooh. find it. And I can still remember my kids like just being in awe, looking in the window of Waffle House or IHOP or whatever. Just that beautiful reaction. Yeah, and that yeah. that was that's been a. We always we still talk about those stories. Yeah. Another thing, real quick, Rachel, yeah. we we did so we'd do this in small groups. Or uh, over the years, our small groups have adopted a family at Christmas. So a little different, but we'd also bring our kids in. So one of the group times before Christmas, we would bring. Uh, the group and the kids together and wrap the gifts and talk about that family. And Mm -hmm. this is for their eight-year-old daughter. And the kids would have fun wrapping those gifts for that, again, a specific person. Mm -hmm. And here's their story. And then we we would include them in delivering those gifts to the family. So that's another way to wrap your small group into that and your Uh, kids. Yeah, yeah. And I think just like it's just – it's incorporating other people's stories within the story of Christmas too. Yeah. So this is this is their stories. This is how we're being generous. This is why we're being generous because yeah. everyone makes different choices about Santa and presents and all yeah. that. Um, we do. We give our kids presents on Christmas morning, um, but when we do it, and I think this is just there's little things you try to do. We before we open presents, we talk about why we're open. This is simple. We talk about why we're opening presents. Yeah. You know, that God's generosity to us in Christ and what Christ has given us, and that's why we're celebrating, and that's why we're giving gifts to one another because we're also trying to be generous to them. So I think even if you do little things to just connect that story with the generosity of God, it's helpful. Absolutely. You know, totally. I was thinking the same thing you were saying. It's like it would be so (laughs) simple to, like, build into your kids as they're growing up that the reason we give is because God's a giver. The reason we give, I mean, even a simple phrase, mm-hmm. you know, yes. the reason we give is because God's a giver mm-hmm. or we are blessed to be a blessing, right? I mean, you could you could have a simple phrase that became a Christmas phrase that you say it over every Christmas yeah. until everybody learns it. The reason we give is because God is a giver or something like that. Just, I mean, that's so simple, but yeah. yet that's building a vision for who Sticks. God is. Right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And everybody can do that. Yeah. We can all do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you could have it like molded on a Texas A&M plaque. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like integrate some Texas A&M. Yeah. I'm going to do a, a longhorn one in the 
the what was it ring and mm-hmm. ring and run what did you say uh, it, <laughs> ditch what, and drive you call it? i forgot ring and run i don't what, know for presents what what, you... ditch and... oh yeah yeah uh, ding dong ding dong ditch ding dong ditch yeah. okay yeah i don't think i had heard so that. what's the ring ditch the... there i get the ding dong but you what are you ditch ditching you, so you you run off you i don't know Okay. You have to ask my wife. She she made it this up. This is Mark's college years. His crazy college years. <laughs> yeah, none of y'all got the education I did at Ole Miss. So let's just call it what it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's true. We didn't get the same education. <laughs> 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 and that was not a positive <laughs> statement from you. <laughs> it might have been. So Mark, I want to talk about Clear Creek specifically a little yeah. bit um, because this isn't just something that we're talking about on this podcast. It's not just a sermon series. This is this is a value we have. Is, is stewardship of everything God's given us in generosity. So so tell me what that looks like with even how we make choices. How is that part of how we do church? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Rachel, I would say uh, years ago we started a generosity team. Uh, and today uh, Matthew Horn leads that team, does a great job of leading that team and thinking through generosity. He's provided a lot of input for this generosity series that we're doing. So... Uh, so Matthew, the goal of the generosity team is to create a culture of generosity at Clear Creek Community Church. And what we want, kind of the vision, is when people hear Clear Creek Community Church in the community, we want them to think, that's a generous church. Mm-hmm. So really, every, everything when we plan, when we budget, when we spend, we think generosity. And we think about how, how can we be generous in, in each of those phases. We want generosity to embody each of those phases of the process, planning, budgeting, spending. Uh, give you some, some examples. I like numbers. So give you some, some numbers. Uh, in the first six months of this fiscal year, we've given away $800,000 through people in need, uh, missions, and church planting, or camps, sorry. And so... Um, that's one way when people give that the church uh, sends that their gifts out in a generous way to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, we ought, so those are very intentional gifts. We plan those. We give to church planters around the country and around the world uh, to help them get started. We give to, uh, in Honduras, we give to a mission there that spreads the gospel throughout that whole area. And so, again, those are very planned ways to give. Uh, and we have others uh, within, within our budgeting system. We, are, we actually just had a podcast um, a couple weeks ago where we heard from a group that went to Brazil. Yes. And they really, the, the thrust of their podcast was we were being generous. We are able to be generous because of the people at Clear Creek. Absolutely. So, so you're giving, and then the real things are happening all over the world. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, then I, I think we also, what we did a few years ago was uh, the finance team set aside $250,000, a quarter of a million dollars, and said this is for elders, we called it the Elders Prompted Giving Fund. So as elders are prompted to give, to meet a need, uh, whatever it is, then there's a fund to help do that. And so... You guys remember a few years ago we had just horrific tornadoes in Oklahoma, uh, just completely demolished towns, churches. We gave several thousand dollars to to that area for to help them in that time. 
We have hurricanes all along the Gulf Coast, had one in Florida just recently, and we've given, again, tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars to help in those, those efforts, those cleanup efforts. And we also, hopefully, are generous with our time because we send mm -hmm. thousands of people to go help with that. Um, and when, when Hurricane Harvey hit here, we, we know that people came and, and were very generous to us in this area. So um, we, we are very intentional about that, but we also uh, have that money to be spontaneous. So the last 25000 of that $250,000 went to Generous Church um, to help them in this international effort to spread <laughs> Uh, this generosity message. It's multiplication. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's that's I'd say are some of the ways Clear Creek Community Church kind of lives into uh, generosity. Yeah. Yeah. And so I asked um, Patrick this at the end of our last podcast. Let me ask you this in a different way. Um, so I asked him if if somebody was to to just take one step to just being more generous to create that virtue in their life to trust God more with what they have, uh, what would they do? And his answer was so helpful. Um, and again, I want to encourage everyone to go listen to that. Um, let me ask you the same question, but in the context of, of our church, in the context of Clear Creek Community Church, I know there's so many ways that we want to come alongside people. So if they're trying to start this journey, um, what can they do within our church to begin? Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different answers yeah. to that. So here's what I would... Uh, I'm so glad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I had to have one, I would say, I would encourage people, if you want to become a generous person, get in a small group. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because in small group is where we we best grow in our devotion to Christ. And it's it's out of that devotion to Christ that generosity springs. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe Patrick said this in the last uh, podcast. Uh, without a, a vibrant, abiding relationship with, with Jesus, man, I don't know how you. I don't know how you're generous. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you can ever live into that because because it's so countercultural, and counterintuitive, and counter sinful <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. for us to live that way. And so, you want to be generous? Get in a small group. Get people around you to help you grow. And hold you accountable. Yeah, I love that. I mean, and I think, you know, Patrick's answer was to um, just write through a narrative of your own life about your struggles mm. and just what you think about money and generosity. Yes. So do that. Yes. And then join in a group of people and community so you can have an abiding relationship with Jesus. Perfect. You know, I mean, know yourself, know the real struggles, join a community so you can really walk with God in this. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a great pathway. I think. You know, and we, we've been in experiences where the first thing we lay off with is, what was your first memory of money before the age of 12? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we ask that in a group context mm -hmm. because when somebody's authentic and, and they'll start admitting it, there's so much that we can learn from each other mm -hmm. yes. within Absolutely. community. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful for both of you for being here. This is super helpful, and I'm grateful for, for your presence and for your generosity. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.